Well, hello, my beautiful family, and welcome to this part 13 of a many parts journey that we have titled The Journey. And in it, we're going over the five core books of Ellen White, and we are on book number one, Patriarchs and Prophets. And this chapter, chapter 13, is titled The Test of Faith. As we've been talking in the previous chapters, we have been talking about Abraham. God had called Abraham, that was a man of faith, out of his land, out of his people, because he was determined to make out of him a nation of people faithful to God. And he, God had entered into a covenant with Abraham, saying that he was going to have a son, and out of that son, he was going to have descendants that cannot be counted like the stars in the sky. So this was quite the promise. And this chapter, chapter 13, picks up here. And it also picks up reminding us of human nature of disbelief, of untrustworthiness. And quite honestly, you know, disbelief for the word of God. Abraham and Sarah, his wife, were quite advanced into their age. And at the age that they had, Sarah started ha ha having a lot of doubt. It's like, I don't think I'm going to have a kid at this age. I'm quite old. And in her efforts, human efforts, I may add, to try to complete God's promise on God's behalf, she asked Abraham to please marry her handmaiden, Hagar or Agar. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. H-A-G-A-R. And she, Sarah asked Abraham, marry my handmaiden, Agar, Hagar, and have a kid through her, and then that will be the kid of God's promise. But God's promise had been unequivocally not this. He had told him Sarah was going to have a child. So Abraham, of course, I would imagine that there was some conflict. Eventually, Abraham caved in, which means that Abraham also doubted God. He marries the handmaiden. He, he meets her intimately, and she has a child. When she's pregnant, this woman, we got to understand that Abraham was an important person. He, he, he was wealthy. He had people. He had fought, as we've seen in previous chapters, with other kingdoms of the kings of the time, knew him and respected him. So he was, a, a you know, a respected person to be with. So now that the handmaiden felt like all of Abraham's stuff was now her stuff and she was having a child and Sarah wasn't. So she felt superior to Sarah. And Sarah, of course, gets annoyed and gets jealous and gets irritated and tries to retaliate back to the point that Agar leaves and left because Abraham wouldn't do anything about it. Abraham did something dishonorable, well, he was an honorable man, and he knew that this woman was carrying his child. He didn't want to banish her, but Sarah took it upon herself to do so. She leaves, but God appears to Agar, you know, out of love for Abraham and for Agar, and says, you know, go back and submit to Sarah and submit to Abraham, you know, and have your child, have your child there. Abraham had been praying for Hagar and his future child. Of course, he was his child. But there, there's an important point here to be made. Despite Sarah having thought of Hagar so she would leave, God never reproached her. God never told Sarah that what she was doing was wrong. 
And this goes back to God's original plan for marriage. God's plan for marriage was monogamy, one man and one woman. Polygamy had become so spread in these times that people just forgot that that wasn't an accepted conduct by God, including Abraham. So he did sin when he did this. And God never takes away the right for Sarah to be jealous because she had all the right, because she was the first and only wife of Abraham. And as we'll see later on, God only recognizes Sarah as God's uh, um God only recognizes Sarah as Abraham's wife, not Hagar. We'll get that in a minute. So not here. The most the thing here to be learned is matrimony, marriage. It's a monogamous relationship. No third parties other than God. So here's my cat speaking to me. So now Abraham, you know, prays to God and ask God to bless his kid and Ishmael, that's the name of the child that was born out of Hagar, is born and Ishmael, now everybody thinks and believes that he's going to be the promised child. So God once again, inequivocally tells Abraham, Sarah will have your child. Of course, Ishmael grows and now Sarah does have the promised kid, Isaac. Isaac is the promised kid by God and the child God said you were going to have. Ishmael was not. Now, of course, as a father, Abraham loved both Ishmael and Isaac. But due to the nature of the relationship between Hagar and Sarah, Ishmael begins to have fights with Isaac. And, you know, Ishmael thinks he's the firstborn. He has the rights and it was just a big family drama. And eventually, Sarah once again asked them, you need to banish them. And God, this time, Abraham prays to God and God tells him to please do so, but that he will also make out of Ishmael a big nation. So with a lot of pain in his heart, Abraham has to banish Ishmael and Hagar. And this is consequence number one of him having had that sin. Actually, consequence number two, the first one was a lot of family fights and drama. I would imagine he endured between Sarah and Hagar. And now he has to banish his own son for not having trust God that he was going to have a child with Sarah. So Isaac, the promised child, is born. And now is where the chapter chapter's title kicks in, the test of faith. If we remember back, Abraham doubted God when he entered Egypt by lying that Sarah was not his wife, but was his sister. And now there's a second instance. Abraham doubted God and disobeyed God uh, when he had a kid. He decided to marry and have a kid with the Sarah's handmaiden. So this is his second fault. And in order for God to start a lineage of people that respect and honor God, it needs to start with a person that respects, honors, and trusts God. And that person was Abraham. So God has to put Abraham's character to the test. And now that Isaac is finally born, the heir of the promise, Abraham, God tells Abraham, I need you to do something for me. 
I need you to take your son, your only son, and this is important because God only recognizes Isaac as Abraham's child. He said his only son, and God knows that Abraham had also Ishmael. This speaks about what we just talked about, monogamy. Hagar is never recognized by God as Abraham's wife. Sarah is. So God tells him, take your son, your only son, Isaac, and offer it in sacrifice. Now, this is quite the test, to be honest. Um, there's many things we can say here, but the first thing is we need to understand the, the historical context of this request. Abraham lived at a time where the pagan nations, the peoples that surrounded him, did practice child sacrificing for their gods. So Abraham was not completely aloof or like, you know, he was not distant from having seen that. He witnessed that in the, in the people that surrounded him. So for him, a request like this from God was not a crazy thing. It was a painful thing. Nobody wants to kill his own child, but what is a, was a, you know, but wasn't something out of the ordinary. It's just in his mind, I would think maybe that's God being God because that's what he has seen from the pagan nations that surround him. So God had promised that through Isaac, he was going to have descendants, a lineage of people that can't be counted. So there's a conflict here. God had promised me that he was going to be my promised child and he was going to make a descendant. And also, God is now telling me to kill my child. So you can imagine the, the, uh, the magnitude of the test that Abraham is put through. And all of this with the sole purpose of God refining Abraham's character, because now for two big times he had distrust God and God needs to earn that trust back. He wants to get it back. He wants to refine Abraham's character. So Satan, of course, was not distant at all. And he was very quick to start suggesting thoughts in Abraham's mind. Wait, wait, wait. But God says that we should not kill. Like he will never ask you to kill your child or wait, wait, wait. Like God promised you, you know, he, he doesn't want you to kill. God promised that was going to be the kid. And you can imagine these thoughts running over Abraham's mind over and over. But Abraham, as a man of faith and as an honorable mind said, okay, God has asked me to do this, I will follow through. So he makes the very painful decision of beginning his journey with Asaph to sacrifice his own child. So they both distrusted the character of God before, and now they are finally, or I, and by they I mean Abraham, um, he's finally on his way to get back on track, if, if I may say it like that. So uh, it's important. I'm going to read here uh, a piece of the book, a part of the book. And then in his doubt and anguish, he bowed upon the earth and prayed as he had never prayed before. So for some confirmation of the command, if he must perform this terrible duty. So he's asking God, God, are you sure? Are you sure this is what you want me to do? He remembered the angels sent uh, to reveal him to God's purpose to destroy Sodom and who bore him the promise of his 
of this same son Isaac. And he went to the place where he had several times met the heavenly messengers, hoping to meet them again and receive some further direction, but none came to his relief. So after God had told him, go do it, God remained silent. And that happens in today's day. Sometimes we know what is right. Uh, listen to this carefully. We know what is right. We know exactly what God would want us to do, but we still hesitate because sometimes it's not to our convenience. Sometimes it's not to the best of our liking, but we know what's right. So sometimes it's not that God doesn't answer. It's that he wants to test our character. And he stayed quiet. So Abraham decided, you know, I'm going to obey God this time. He packs off his stuff. He takes Isaac with him. And side by side, the father and the son journeyed in silence. The patriarch pondering his heavy secret had no heart for words. And then I later keep saying, Satan was near to whisper doubts and unbelief, but Abraham resisted his suggestions. Now, they get to the base of the mountain uh, where God is, um, where Abraham is going to sacrifice his child. And at the base of the mountain, something happened. And is Isaac tells Abraham, my father, look, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And now Abraham, without knowing, unknowingly says one of the most beautiful verses in the entire Bible. My son, he said, God will provide for himself the land for a burnt offering. So Abraham did not knew it at this time that God was going to provide the lamb. And just as he, he, he prophesies there, this points straight to Jesus, where Jesus was provided for our behalf so that we don't die the death that we deserve, but have the life that he deserved. Beautiful text. So Abraham was prophesying without knowing it. But of course, now you can put yourself in Abraham's shoes when your child is asking you, hey, you know, where is the sacrificial animal? And you know exactly who it is, and that is him, and you just don't want to say it. So it must have been a horrible test of faith to not say anything. So they they get to the place, they build the altar, and now it was time to burn the sacrifice and kill the animal and sacrifice it. And at this point, Abraham tells Isaac what God's command was. And now you need to put yourself in Isaac's shoes. Isaac is a, is a kid, okay? You understand this. Isaac is a child. And as a child, your parent is telling you he's going to kill you. Isaac was much, much younger than Abraham was. He could have fled the scene and Abraham was never going to be able to catch up. He could have run. He could have fought his father off. But look at the type of education that this kid has. That he doesn't run away. He said, you know, is that, that is God's will. Then that's what we'll do. And Isaac willingly submits himself into his dad's arm and let him tie him up and put him over the altar. And at this point, God has not said anything. This was truly a test of faith. Abraham takes the knife out, and when he is about to, you know, slay his own child, 
now God appears, an angel holds his hand and say, no, 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 that's, that's not me. And this is a complete and reverse twist, 180 degree turn into what Abraham has seen. Remember, we said that Abraham had witnessed other nations in the area sacrificing their child to their God. So Abraham was not very distant from this tradition. So maybe this God is just like those gods. Maybe this God is just as cruel. No, 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 no. He's not. This God is just testing and refining your character. This God, the only God, is not like that. That's not how he operates. So don't sacrifice your child. And then the most important or the second most important scene, there's a lamb nearby in the area caught up in some thorns. And that's what they sacrifice. Again, God provided the sacrifice. Uh, again, th there's just so much going on in this chapter and so many lessons. But now there's another very beautiful verse that I want to share that we found in Galatians. Uh, Galatians 3.6 says, Just as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And I want to ponder in this. Abraham believed God. He trusted God. He was faithful to God. He moved based on God's mode of operandum. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. That verse right there, that is the gospel, my friend. And here it is. Let me summarize the gospel for you. There is nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing you can do to earn God's love and favor because you already have it. As simple as that. It is up to you to accept it or not. Abraham accepted and it was accounted to him for righteousness. How many times do we go in life thinking about what do I need to do to be safe? Am I doing it right or wrong, left or right? Your salvation is already paid for. All you need to do is to accept it. That's the gospel right there, that God provided the lamb to the slaughter. God provided Jesus. He provided himself because they're, you know, three in one. He provided himself in lieu of us so that you and I can have the right and the access to eternal life with him. So Abraham passed the ultimate faith test. And of course, the rest of the story, which we'll dig into, we sort of know it. God kept his promise. And just as he kept the uh, promise to Abraham, he will keep his promises to you. All you need to do is believe in God and it will be added to you as righteousness. Thank you for joining this beautiful chapter. I totally invite you to please read this chapter. If none other, I mean, obviously I want you to read the whole book, but read this chapter, let it sink in, see the beauty of God in it. And I'll see you on chapter 14.